basically how I start all my podcasts. Anyways, hello everyone. Welcome back to Solidarity on the Bench. I am your host, Katie Yu, and I am so excited today because I have a very special guest to sit on this bench with me, Sophia Carter. Hello, very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that sounded awful. Oh I know, we've been talking about this for so long. It's like crazy, it's actually happening, and you're just like on my floor right now. Yeah. I'm yeah, it's in really Washington, weird. and we're recording a podcast. Yeah, it's like a dream come true, honestly. How long have we been friends now? Five months. Five months. Wow. Happy five months. Happy five months. Anyways, today's bench. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about being alone versus being lonely. And this is a topic that Sophia brought up, but it's also a topic that I've struggled with a lot, especially my junior year of college. So I'm, I'm curious to hear your experience with it, because we never really talked about that. Yeah, I'm actually kind of in the depths of it right now, which is why I brought it up, because I mm. live alone. I feel like I don't have a lot of my my people here in my college town, which, not to bash on anyone from my college town, but I feel like I don't have that true, like, deep soul, like, platonic soulmate that I have in you. Aww. And it feels hard that you live in California, and I... I chose to live alone, which was a very healthy option for myself, for my mental health. But it is hard when I'm stuck between wanting to be alone and feeling like I was forced to be alone. Yeah. Okay, give me one second. I feel like we need to move this closer to your voice. <laughs> okay, before before we jump into it, yeah. before we jump into it more, Sophia's going to define being alone versus being lonely. I would say being alone is a sense of solitude. It's enjoying your own presence, almost like being your own best friend, and you don't feel this external pressure to socialize when you don't have the energy to, and you're just comfortable being alone. And then lonely is, it's this fear of missing out, and it's when you really want to socialize, but you feel like you have no one there to do it with. Hmm. I completely agree. Also, you have a great voice for podcasting. Do I really? You really do. Oh, thank you so much. I know you can't hear your voice, <laughs> but I can, and it sounds phenomenal. It's really weird that you can hear it and I can't. I know, that's, well, I kinda, need to figure out a setup. Kind of fun and fresh, though. It is really fun yeah. and fresh. Anyways, do you want to go first, talking about your experience, because you're in the thick of it, or do you want me to go first, because I feel like I've kind of already gotten out of it? I would love to hear you first, and then we can kind of like apply it to myself as I reflect on my own. Yeah, I dealt with this a lot, and I kind of touched on it in my friendship episode, but I also could have deleted it because I recorded that one five times. So (laughs) my junior year was a lot of, like, appalling friendships. It was a lot of asking myself who I wanted to be around and who brought me joy, and the unfortunate truth of the matter was my first-year friend group was not that for me. And I was hanging out with them because I was more scared of being alone. I was kind of in the thick of it, and I didn't want to ditch my friend group because I didn't want to be alone. But at the same time, I was never really happy when we did hang out, and I felt like I was putting in a lot more effort than a lot of people. And it felt really uncomfortable to, you know, face the fact that these people were not the type of people that I wanted in my life long term, just because of where we were at. Nothing to do with them, but more to do with the fact that we grew apart. And so from like October through April, I would say, 
I was really lonely. Um, and it consisted a lot of, I remember this one specific time, it was back in February. I literally messaged my three friends asking them if they wanted to go get Jamba Juice because I had a craving for Jamba Juice, but I refused to do anything alone. And all of them said that they were busy and I just sat in my room and cried instead of going to Jamba Juice. And I think that one of the big takeaways, especially something that I preach a lot in terms of friendships, is that in order to find people that you really love to have in your life and that fulfill you in every single way and match your energy in every single way, you have to make room for new people. And I would have never found the incredible friends that I did this year if I was continuing to engage in old relationships that didn't serve me anymore because I would have not had the energy or the time to invest in new relationships. And so the period of switching friends was really tough because I didn't have anyone to fall back on. And when my three friends were busy, it was very, very lonely. And I had to deal with that a lot, just like sitting alone in my room a lot, um, especially in the spring. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway with it is that true friendships take time. I didn't find all of the friends that I have at once. I think, okay, I saw this one TikTok of this girl who was like, I got all of my Patrick's leave done in one year and I hate it. And I'm not obviously comparing friends to tattoos, but what I'm saying is that it really resonates with me in the sense that like for me, Patrick tattoos need to be built up over time and they all have their meeting. Okay, you're more impulsive than I am. No, like, I've gotten these all at different points in my oh, life. Oh, I was and like... So I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Like, all there... We're looking at my patchwork sleeve right now, if you're yeah. confused. I thought you were pulling it up because you got 10 tattoos in one year. We don't talk about that. Yeah. Actually, no, I think I got, like, six in a year. Okay, but they're all meaningful, right? Yeah, I got the snake. The snake just means I'm fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else has meaning, though. Yeah. And, like, I like to think of my body as a scrapbook. Mm. And so I have, like, very big moments on different parts of my body from different parts of my life. Mm, I love that. Yeah. That's why I'm putting a lot of effort and time into my tattoo tour, because my tattoos have a lot of meaning and stories behind them. Mm-hmm. And it's not something I just want to glaze over. Like, if I'm going to tell them, I'm going to tell them right. Yeah, and you better do all of them justice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, in the same vein, like... I feel like with ta- patchwork sleeves, it's so easy to just get the ones off of Pinterest. Not dissing your snake at all. <laughs> Not dissing it. But I'm just saying. That well, was what, what you the, mean. That was what the girl said. She was like, I got like 10 in one sitting and they were all from Pinterest. And it was just a copy-paste sticker sleeve and she wasn't super happy with it. And for me, like, obviously I really want to be tatted up. <laughs> tatted. <laughs> but, like, all of them are super meaningful to me. And I want to collect them over time, and I'm not going to rush any of them. And I have to really think about every single one of them before I get them, you know? Yeah. So, not saying that friends are like patchwork tattoos, but I think it's a great metaphor to use in this sense. Because it's so easy, again, to like go into college and find a whole friend group and think that that's going to be your friend group for life. But realizing that like in your adult life, collecting friends and making room for friendships that are really really meaningful is so much better than just rushing it all 
to try to get somewhere, you know? Yeah, like letting yourself be picky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so much merit in having to sit in, like, the solitude of, like, your own company. I mean, I use solitude, and it's a good thing. Solitude is a great thing, but also there are times where it's really lonely, and I think that it definitely made me a stronger person, and I never want to wish any of my bad parts on other people, but I think that a lot of what made me me was because I had to sit with myself for a long time and, you know, I had to kind of figure out who I was and question myself a lot and question my worth and question what I brought to the table to quiet my social anxiety because when I finally did get into the relationships I have now, I know that I know what I'm worth, you know? Yeah, which is really cool. Like, you have to make yourself be uncomfortable mm-hmm. to feel safe in a friendship. Mm-hmm. Because it's like you have to be and do a lot of like what you don't want. And this is a lot of identity theory. Mm-hmm. It's like at first you you define yourself by what you aren't. And so yeah. it's a very like negative identity. It's mm-hmm. like I know that I'm not this. And so I feel like in friendships it's kind of the same way. It's like defining yourself in like a negative identity to really find out what your identity is. Or like how you show up in friendship spaces and just like... I know that that really quieted my social anxiety. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm also, just going off what you said, that period of not even solitude, but also just purely discomfort right now. Mm-hmm. And so my parent, for example, my parents live in Hawaii, and it's incredible, and I'm so excited to visit them, but it's just the two of them, and I'm no longer in my hometown with all of my old high school friends. And I love them like no one's business. They are my best friends but they still work and I'm going to be in Hawaii for 10 days and it's going to be all by myself. Mm, Is your brother not going? No. Mm. And so, yes, I have my dad, but like he also still works. My mom's going to be in school. And so it's mainly just going to be me with my own company for about 10 days. Mm -hmm. And then when I go home to Vancouver for Christmas, it's the same thing. Mm. It's also just going to be like me having to sit with myself and be my own best friend for a long period of time, kind of like how I am in Bellingham. I've been, a big thing I've been working on this quarter and just overall in therapy the last year, ever since I started recovery, is really protecting my peace and Mm -hmm. being really picky of who I let close to me and realizing that not everyone deserves all of me Mm -hmm. and figuring out who those people are that do get to be let into the deeper parts of me. Mm -hmm. And it's a very isolating experience, I would say, Because I'm realizing that not everyone I meet is going to be my best friend for life. Mm -hmm. And that's been a really uncomfortable feeling because I was always the type that I wanted to have so many best friends. Mm -hmm. But the world doesn't really work like that. You, my mom would always say, you're lucky if you get one Lisa. And Lisa's her, like her middle school best friend. She's like, you're lucky if you can find one. And if you find them, do not let them go. And so I kind of hold that with me every day. That's the power is in the quality and not the quantity. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's very discom- like very uncomfortable, like you said. Mm-hmm. And I have grown a lot, even just in the last three months. And I now choose independence more often than not. Like, I find myself staying in and wanting to just read my book and go to bed by 10. Mm-hmm. Instead of going out on a Friday night, which some people might think is lame. But mm-hmm. if I know I'm going to feel lonely in a room full of people... I'm not going to risk it, and I'd rather just stay in and know I'm going to be at peace with myself. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I love that. I love that a lot. 
Thanks. And it's incredible because, like, I'm like, oh, because you're only 20. It's not like I'm <laughs> any much older. But, like, it is so fun to hear someone say that. Yeah. Can you see me tearing up? <laughs> Baby. I feel like I've just been very emotional this past couple of days. Honestly, I really feel that. Right? Like, I don't, I don't want to, like, invalidate my emotions and say I have no reason to be mm-hmm. sad. But, like, my... Damn, my, my period's not even close. And, like... Yeah. I randomly just feel myself on the verge of tears. And I'm like, why? Is there something I, like, am not, con- like, confronting right now that I need mm. to face and, like, let be let out? Is that why I just randomly feel like I want to cry at the gym sometimes? But, yeah. No, it's a lot easier on the other side of feeling lonely to say that I would so much rather be feel lonely than, like, spend time with bad quality people. But, like... It's so hard to make that decision mm-hmm. when you're in it. Oh, yeah. No, but, like, it's so much easier to say on the other side that, like, that's a choice I would make. I also know that when I was in it, I had some extremely destructive coping mechanisms because I did not know how to deal with it. Yeah. And it's, I mean, from someone that is currently in it, it's kind of a mental battle that I'm dealing with every single day of, I'm feeling really lonely. I don't want to just sit in my house all night. But also, is there anyone that would fill my cup more than myself right now? Yeah. And the answer is usually no. Yeah. I hear you, though. I think, like, I'm a very social person throughout the day. But then Mm -hmm. at night, after dinner, that's my time. Yeah. And I do that to protect my peace. Like, even now, I rarely hang out with people after dinner. I don't do work after dinner. I treat school like a nine to five. So I don't ever do work after dinner unless like I really need to grind. Yeah. That one day that I went over to Anne Marie's and I drank tea, that was scheduled mm-hmm. four days in advance. <laughs> <laughs> we scheduled eight to nine thirty. I would go over to her place to drink tea. It ended up being eight to two AM. But like those are the best types of nights. Right? But I couldn't leave like a second earlier. No. But no, like that's how much I love to protect my peace at night. Yeah. So I totally hear that. It shows truly how far you've come in your mm-hmm. healing journey that you are so comfortable with yourself that you let yourself be alone every night and you prioritize I love it, it and you look forward to it. Mm-hmm. Like that speaks volume for you. Being alone at night may be like one of my favorite parts of the day. It's like going to the gym and then mm-hmm. eating breakfast with friends and also being alone at night. Because mm-hmm. I get to do like my favorite things like going to the gym, eating good food, and also reading. Yeah. I read a lot you at night. You want to read tonight? Yeah. Yeah. I should read that Colleen Hoover book. Which one? That one. <laughs> you should. And let me know your thoughts. I will. I'll try to finish Butterfly Garden. I can hand oh it my off. Oh, God. Yeah. And then we can have a book club. We should have a book club. It's something that, like, the alone versus lonely and also, like, finding friendships. What's frustrating about it is that the timeline is different for everyone. Mm -hmm. So I can't tell you, like, it'll be better in a couple of months. I can tell you that it took me from November to April to have to sit with that loneliness. So that was, like, what, six months? Yeah. Um... But also, I feel like in a lot of aspects, I kind of, like, supercharge all of my recovery because I Mm -hmm. just think about everything all the time. Oh, me too. Oh, my gosh. I use every negative emotion as a learning experience. Mm -hmm. So I didn't learn anything from it. Why did I go through it? (laughs) 
So like every traumatic thing I go to, th- I go through. I'm like, let's process this. Let's break it down and let's learn from it immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm the same way. Which like is such a blessing and a curse because it mm-hmm. means like you can go leaps and bounds in such short a period of time. But then you also crash a lot harder. Yeah, and then also it's like you feel like you're a constant self-improvement project. Yes, and you never get to just exist. Mm-hmm. And you're not a project, you're a person. Mm-hmm. I love that one. Yeah. You said that, and my jaw was just on the floor. I don't know. It's a thing that I have a mental debate with every day of, am I alone or am I lonely? Mm. And trying to, like, truly do, like, a body scan and be like, does this feel good that I'm alone in my house all day? Or am I purposely isolating because I don't want to be rejected? Damn. Yeah. And what do you get to most days? Most days, I have a goal to leave the house at least once a day. And whether that's just, and not like in my car, like actually step outside and go to a public setting, whether that's the gym or Fred Myers or something. And it reminds me that the world is a lot bigger and I'm, sadly, I'm insignificant in the grand scheme of things. I'm just this little ant on a planet that's floating through space and my presence matters, Mm -hmm. but my brain lies to me a lot. You matter. (laughs) tattoo yeah and so like just allowing myself to escape the depression hole that my apartment can become at times Mm. and getting out into the world where other people exist and function and reminding myself that there's life outside my tiny little one-bedroom apartment yeah and I think that it can be so easy to like keep yourself in that slump and just stay in bed all day every Mm -hmm. day but what's so powerful is, like, breaking it. Yeah. And, like, having to actively break it. Because I know how hard it can be. Like, yeah. I can crash really hard and I can, like, isolate in my room until past lunch sometimes. Yeah. Which is so draining and so hard on the mental health. Mm-hmm. That's why I started my series. Because it makes me want to leave the house. Because I kind of step into, like, an NPC role. Like, oh, no, I'm filming. Like, this is for a video, so, like, I need to, like, get the clips, so I'm going to go to Trader mm. Joe's and buy myself flowers. Mm. And so, like, in the moment, it may not feel like I'm treating myself like someone I love, but I still get the same effects of it, even if I feel like it's just for a video, quote-unquote. But it still does the same effect for me. I just have to trick my brain into doing it. Mm-hmm. That's actually a little bit about what my thesis is on. Mm-hmm. It's about how social media and like online presence like yes theoretically who we present ourselves as online may be a little bit different to who we are in person but if we continue that presentation online then it starts to to inform our offline self Mm -hmm. and then our offline self and our online self then merges into one which can either be really good or really bad yeah well, I'm talking about it in the context of wellness, so yes. it's a great thing. So it's a great thing, because I try to show up as authentic as I can on my page, mm-hmm. and the more I show up on my page in the way I want to be, and the way I see my future self acting, mm-hmm. the more I feel my current non-online presence becoming that. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm manifesting my own self. Mm-hmm. And that's like the phrase, fake it till you make it. And it's so true. It works so it, well. It's a gem of a phrase. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just like make myself look good even if I'm feeling shitty mm-hmm. it works it really does or like I'm like I want a coffee 
But I can't go in sweatpants. That's embarrassing. <laughs> now I like, gaslight myself. Yeah. Almost. You're embarrassing. Put on clothes. <laughs> uh, it can't. Okay, this quote can be interpreted very toxic, but also very motivating. Okay. It's just, imagine there's a documentary crew following you around and documenting your success story leading up to how you got to where you are. What would you be doing right now? Exactly this. Would you be laying in your bed in sweatpants at 2 p.m. watching TikToks? Mm. Or would you go do the thing you didn't want to do because you knew you needed to do it? Mm. Which can be seen as toxic because, yes, rest is so important and needs to be prioritized. But also, if you just let yourself sit in that hole and let it absorb you, it can Mm. become really dangerous to your mental health. And so I, I always tell myself, I'm like there's a camera crew in my house right now what would i be doing okay low-key like influencing and what you just said about like your series you are your own camera crew like you (laughs) actually just made that into existence i really did yeah and it's helping me so much and it works like my mental health has already gotten so much better since i started this series good which is baffling it's just some little instagram reel that i created but it's actually like making an impact on myself yeah and who knows who else has helped and that's how project 50 was for me yeah okay are there any takeaways about being alone that you want to talk about i think for me the biggest takeaway i had is that there's no set timeline for finding friends yeah um it is okay to feel lonely it is very natural it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you a lot of people feel it and don't talk about it. Yeah. It's a very isolating feeling. And to quote the queen, Brene Brown. Oh, yes. She's shame researcher. And she's like, shame only exists when we, in like... When you we, let it. Yeah. Yeah. That was so much better than what I was going to say. <laughs> what I was going to say was when it's like an individual thing. Oh. Like shame is an individual thing. Yeah. It's very like... I like I centered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But once you like bring it into the light, shame can no longer exist. I love that. She's great. I love Brene Brown. I love Brene Brown. She's so good. So those are my takeaways. Yeah, I think I can't have a whole a lot of accurate takeaways since I still am. I feel like in the in the meat of this process, it was mm. a really bad analogy. To say. In the meat of in, this. Process. In the thick of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's better. Since I'm still in the thick of it. It's hard to have a lot of takeaways, but, like, I do talk to you about this quite often, I would say. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that, like, in the long run, it's going to best protect my, pe- like, my mental health and, like, my well-being. And at the end, that's what's important to me. Mm-hmm. And I'd much rather know that I did what's best for my mental health and, like, I didn't waste energy on people that weren't deserving of it rather than surround myself with people that make me miserable. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, the toughest pill to swallow, too. Mm-hmm. Because I know that I, for the longest time my junior year, was clinging on to the idea that maybe I'm the problem. I was gaslighting myself, no, actually. I did, too. Right? Because yeah. I'm like, maybe I'm the problem. Like, maybe these relationships are totally fine, and I'm just mm-hmm. being super picky. But no, it's like, if I, if you don't feel well, you don't feel well. And that's okay. It's not a reflection on that other person. It just means you guys don't align, and that is okay. Right? My mom always used to say to me when I was, like, after I grew out of this phase of my life, she's like, Sophia, for the longest time, you just wanted people to like you, and you didn't even care if you liked them. 
shit, Amelia. I know. She said that, and I was like, God damn. Thanks. She's like, you're not like that anymore. Like, you actually decide if you like them before you let them decide if they like you. Yeah. Before you decide to let them in, you make sure you like them first. Yeah. Instead of letting anyone in just in the hope that they would like you. She said that, my god damn. Can you keep your voice down? No, literally. Like, did Samantha text me you? next time. <laughs> oh my god. I felt attacked. No, literally. It was like, yeah, hearing your mom tell you that, which is also your best friend, I'm like, damn. How long have you been holding on to that one? Yeah. 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 That was a good one. I was like, you're right. Like, you're so right. I just wanted to be liked for so long. I mean, I still want to be liked. I, I think still it's a love very... to be liked. Oh my gosh. I it's, a, it's a human thing. If I openly knew people didn't like me, I'd be shattered. But like when picking my friends, mm-hmm. I make sure that I, you know, I like them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a two-way street. I think I talked about this in my strengthening relationships thing, but like putting people on like an energy scale. Yeah, I saw that. I really liked that scale. I do it every couple of months, actually. Oh, and like, where do they fall? How do I feel? Mm-hmm. Reevaluate. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot because, as you can tell, I love structure. We love structure, right? In this household. And so I'm like, okay, you know, obviously I have really bad social anxiety, and how I feel about the person does heavily actually depend on on the last interaction I had yeah. with them. Which oh is, yes. When you said that to, earlier today, like mind blown. No, right? My like, it's never explained my attachment style so well. Mm-hmm. For any of those confused, I said. That I have a very anxious attachment style, meaning that I feel as safe in the relationship as my last interaction with the person. Which, like, jaw drops. Yeah, like, we could have had a beautiful day, but if I thought you had, like, weird energy for the last 30 seconds, I would feel immediately unsafe in the friendship or the relationship. This podcast episode is full of bangers. (laughs) I love this. This is gonna be such a good one. But yeah, yeah, so that really resonated with me. Um... So I like to do these check-ins, and not only do I check in, but I like to, like, compare how I feel about them throughout our friendship. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like to make, like, rash decisions, or I try not to let my feelings dictate how I feel. So by having that tracker, I can see if they consistently fall on one side or the other. Yeah. Which is really important. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, for the longevity of the friendship. Yeah. Like, how can I see this friendship playing out in the rest of my life? Yeah, yeah. So highly recommend energy trackers. I do them every, like, three to four months. I think I need to start doing that. That sounds like a really good idea. Right? I can show you some of mine. Please do. Yeah, once yeah. we're done with this, I would love to. I don't know if I have any in this journal. Brain. Oh, yeah, you can always pick my brain. I love picking your brain. Oh, maybe this podcast should be just called Pick My Brain. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast episode. This has been lovely. This has been really nice. If you want Sophia back on the pod, pay for her plane ticket to California. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, Venmo in bio. No, literally. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining. This was my first official guest on the podcast, which is crazy. I didn't know how it was going to go, but (laughs) you are the most chaotic and fun-loving person that I could have ever had on the podcast as the first guest. I'm honored to be the first one, and I'll be back many, many times. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, thank you again for tuning in. This was about loneliness, but turned into so much more, but I hope that you still feel the same solidarity on the bench. (laughs) Bye.